At Bet365, we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every home run, every hit, every inning, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. Whether it's a walk-off grand slam or a base hit to center field. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment, it's never ordinary at Pet365. 21 plus only must be present in Ohio. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. Getting ready to take on spring? Make your first move with the reliable performance and power of steel battery tools. From hedge trimmers and mowers to string trimmers and more... Right now, you can save $50 on select battery tool sets. Real steel. Offer valid on select AK system sets through June 16, 2024. See participating retailer for details. Hey, everyone. This is Jody Sweeten from the podcast How Rude, Tanneritos. I've been needing a quick getaway with my family, and the 2024 Hyundai Santa Fe is the perfect vehicle to take us there. It has standard third-row seating, so I'm able to pack my entire family, plus pets, in the car while also having enough room for our camping essentials. Available H-Track all-wheel drive will get us through any dirt trails, and available dual wireless charging pads will ensure we never have to worry about getting stuck with a dead phone in the middle of nowhere. Visit HyundaiUSA.com. Or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. Welcome to Get a Grip with Shane Bacon, a production of iHeartRadio. Hey, hey, welcome to Get a Grip. Uh, It is Sunday night. PJ Championship just wrapped up. uh, Shane Bacon with Claire Rogers. I told you she was going to come back. I told you she was going to be a part of these recaps. I'm so happy to have her back. Claire Rogers, of course, from golf.com. You can read her at golf.com. You can follow her at K Claire Rogers. There's no D R O G E R S. Claire, we got to, I feel almost like dumb and dumber. You know, it's like the totally redeem yeah. yourself moment. It was uh, not the most exciting major championship. I was calling it Baltus Roll 2.0. It was feeling very Jimmy right. Walker esque, you know, even with the, Rory kind of playing the Jason Day character, like so close, but not. And then Justin Thomas and, and Will Zalatoris and Mito at 18. Everything went chaos, and we got a, we kind of yeah. got a fun, what, 90 minutes of a, of a PJ championship. I was just going to say the last 90 minutes made up for the whole thing where I was like, this is going to be kind of, you know, Mito's going to run away with it. It's just going to be an average day on Sunday. I feel really good about this. We got, we got lucky. We got lucky. Of course. Uh, I think it's worth talking about Justin Thomas to start. Uh, we, I think all of us in the golf media business have kind of been waiting for this moment. You know, we got JT winning a major relatively early in his career and you and I were even texting after it wrapped up and we're like, how many wins does this guy have? And it's 15 PGA tour titles. Now two majors in an era of single major winners. And you can go down the list of these players that have won one very important to tick off that second. Now you can kind of start to run. I feel like, especially when you're one of these elite level golfers, but let's just go to Sunday. At what point, Claire, did you feel like Justin Thomas had even a remote chance of getting himself into a playoff at this PGA? I don't know if I just like wasn't paying attention to JT all week because then they were like, oh, he came back seven strokes. I was like, there's no way. Like, no, he didn't. I honestly was not even paying attention to him until maybe his 17th hole, I want to say. And then I was like, oh, my gosh. okay, five under. This is great. But I was at that point, I was still like seven under is going to win it. Well, it'll still be Mito. It'll be whoever. And then all of a sudden, like 
golf, the golf was on steroids and everything was changing very quickly. So I wasn't paying attention to him. I don't think all weekend. What about you? Yeah. So I have, you know, I have the three TV set up downstairs. Um, I, Mm -hmm. uh, I, I did a a big, you know, let, I I will let, I mean, I, I told Cindy to go take a nap um, kind of in the middle of the day as golf was just getting going and it was right around nap time. So she went and took like a two hour nap and I took Charlotte, my, my, my newborn downstairs and I had like hockey on one TV and I was like, you know what? I rarely get to do this at majors anymore where I'm at home. I'm putting all three on the featured group channels and everything. So, you know, when JT made that bomb on what was it, like 11 or 12, when he made that putt from yeah. the front of the green, just ridiculous. He made that. And I was starting to kind of look at the numbers. Then he made another birdie. If you remember, he made two in a row yep. and then he had some opportunities and I was kind of looking at six under and, you know, we know how tough the finish is. That being said, we know how, how, birdieable 17 was so it felt almost like we were watching Augusta you know Augusta sometimes the the players on the second nine you know they make eagle at 13 they birdie 15 maybe they flag it at 16 and they tie the lead right but you have to remind yourself that everybody gets those holes to play through again yeah I was kind of starting to add up the numbers and I went if he gets to six maybe he has a chance now he didn't need to get to six which is the craziest part he obviously needed some help but I I at least thought there was somebody there that could post a number considering how tough this golf course was playing. And if there was anybody that was going to do it, it felt of course, like we all, and I know we'll talk about Rory later for goodness sakes, but it felt like Rory had a chance or JT had a chance and JT just did, you know, he just grabbed it. JT grabbed this major when nobody else really grabbed it over the weekend. I'm not even going to say on Sunday, I feel like Saturday and Sunday, there were opportunities there for someone near the lead to grab it. And nobody did. And JT just kind of grabbed it at the end. I felt like it was just up and down golf. I felt like all day today I watched, oh, he's in the bunker. Right. Oh, he's here. Okay, he'll get par. But I wasn't like anyone, no one was making moves. So again, when JT kind of came out of nowhere, I was not expecting that because it's not like I had been following the first 14 holes of his round super closely. Um, I just, I don't know. I'd been watching Fitzpatrick, watching Mito, like, all right, we'll chip it close, try and make the par putt. So, yeah, I mean the, the birdie at 17, obviously he kind of like, uh, did like the big step towards it, like almost Kevin Na level, even though I know JT has been doing that for a long time. And then, you know, and you and I are going to get into some flights later, kind of what we'll remember five years from now about this PJ championship. I'm not sure mine will be the same as yours. I will remember the 18th tee shot in regulation, you know, kind of going through the bag with bones. What are we going to hit here? So many guys had been hitting three wood there and just kind of doing what Will Zalatoris did in the playoff. But it's not just the playoff to me. I mean, Zalatoris makes the putt at 17 and 18, and and those were so key. That's so much of what we talk about with Will Zalatoris. We know the ball striking's there, which was so interesting because you already nailed it. Early in the day, the ball striking was not there. Right. He basically almost hit two balls in penalty areas in par threes, right? And this yeah. is a guy that is supposed to be this generational iron player and is this generational iron player. But those two big putts there at the last, and all of a sudden, we kind of got a dream playoff. I mean, if we were going to say, if you and I were going to sit down on Tuesday and lay out a playoff that we would pay to see, I'm saying this is probably top 20, top 25 in terms of two players. Oh, yeah. I would always want to see JT right, in the playoff. Right. And, you know, I don't know Zalatoris but what, as well, but this is now his fifth top 10 in Crazy. eight majors. Yes. So I would pay for that any major to see Zalatoris because now it's like we have this expectation level from him. So it's fun to see him play a few extra holes and see, like, all right, he can hang under pressure. He birdied that first hole, so – in the second into 13, I mean, you know, the second into 13, kind of going back to the iron play, uh, what will be forgotten a bit, I think, in terms of wrapping everything up is JT 
making birdie on the first two playoff holes. I was about to text Justin Ray and say, has anybody birdied all the aggregate holes in a playoff ever? You know, because there have been other aggregate hole ever playoffs across other majors in the past. And I was like, is this guy just going to go three, you know, go birdie, 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 and just be done with it? And I mean, just putting the pressure on Will Zalatoris, it felt like to me, watching those two in the playoff, it felt like you're watching a veteran PJ Tour player and someone that maybe hasn't been there as often as Justin Thomas has been. He's got a great playoff record, but even just the small things, I mean, he had a great shot on 17, makes the birdie, put it in such a professional place with that second shot on 18, forcing Zalatoris' mm-hmm. hand. It just kind of felt like, it almost felt a little bit like you saw experience play out in the playoff when you watched those two go at it. Oh, yeah. And you saw immediately on that second playoff hole. You're, and no part of me was like, usually I'm very nervous for playoffs. You know, I'm like, oh, no. Right, right. I was like, all right, he's got this. We're fine. And either and story was, worked, you know? I mean, either one yeah, of those worked. Happy for both. I was, I was wanting Mito to be in there. I was really hoping he made bogey at 18 after he hit in the water. I would have loved to see three players there kind of get the Justin Leonard, DeMarco, VJ feel of 04 in this PGA. But I want to talk about kind of JT before we move on from Justin Thomas, because a, a yeah. big win, obviously, a second major championship. I had Andy Johnson from the Friday on the podcast a month and a half ago, and we did our top 10 players over the last decade. And I had JT sixth. I had him behind DJ one, Rory, Spieth, Kepka, and Jason Day. And, and I had kind of my formula. Andy had his formula. I feel like now JT jumps Day. I think he's now at kind of a top five player. We mentioned the wins, 15 wins. Now with two major championships. The difference to me, Claire, and I want your thoughts on this. The difference to me is I feel like Justin Thomas, when you look at DJ, Rory, Spieth, Kepka, it feels like of those players, and he's trailing those in terms of the last decade, but Justin, to me, feels like the most likely to add on to his major count now. He needed this one, and now I feel like the way he's playing, the way he's played in these big events, of course, winning the players, and the way he did that as well, it seems like this is a guy that has found a way to turn it on in these events. He played well at the Masters earlier in the year and now gets this second major. He's kind of fifth on my list now over the last decade and trending, as they say. Yeah, I was about an hour ago, I was kind of like, who can I kind of compare him to? And at first I was saying DJ. I was like, two majors, you know, a bunch wins. But now I'm kind of like, I think he keeps going. And he's still a lot. What is he, 29? Is he even? I think DJ's I, what, 37 yeah, now? I, about to turn 38? 29 or just turned 30. Yeah, I mean, he's still obviously, in terms of where these people win these things historically, still, in, in to your point, kind of in his prime. Yeah, I think he's in a critical window of time now, from now until, what, 34? Not saying you're done after that, but I think this is where a bunch of the guys are going to get wins, and I think he's in the perfect position. When you kind of look at Justin Thomas's major career, we've talked a lot about that, and we've hammered it home. It's just not been that impressive. I kind of feel, and and I felt this way with Rory at the Masters. We talked about this as well. It felt like something was going to come from that final round, and we saw that on Thursday, right? I mean, he jumps right out to the lead and the next major championship. To me, this is now easier for JT. I mean, two majors, a players, two WGCs, two playoff wins, a FedEx Cup. He's kind of won all of it, you know? I mean, I know he's yeah. only won one major twice, but obviously different types of golf courses to win on. Quail Hollow is one golf course. Sun Hills is a completely different beast. He's won in different ways. He's won playing great on the weekend and playing solid on the weekend. I'm just seeing a guy that we kind of knew he had all the shots, and we kind of knew he had all the shots around the green, and this is very important. You know, that, whatever you want to call it, two and a half hours or three hours, when we talk about Justin Thomas in a decade from now, I feel like the last two and a half hours of this 2022 PGA will be something that if JT has four or five major wins 
in 10 years. We can kind of look back at the way he was able to play that second night on Sunday at Southern Hills that kind of maybe propelled him to something different. Right, because I think, you know, if if you're in a totally different position if he has a two-shot lead going into Sunday. This guy crawled back, like, I'm thinking... He was done! uh, Yeah, he's... I... It just completely, like, grinded his way back, and I think that's that's my favorite part of golf, when guys are just, like, they're committing to it and they're seeing it through. That's what he did today, and it wasn't... Again, he wasn't, you know, people weren't talking about him all weekend, and then he comes out of nowhere. It was, you know, the way Bubba kind of did it. What did he do it on Friday or right, right. Saturday? Yeah, yeah. For, did... Friday, yep. It was kind of, oh, my gosh, here he is. Great. And <laughs> we'll go from there. And it just happened that he did it on Sunday, so. Yeah, I mean, you know, you know, Justin Thomas is just the accomplishments. I mentioned the wins. You know, now, now you're talking about a guy now. He shot the lowest score in U.S. Open history when he shot that 63, but it was nine under at Aaron Hills, right? He shot 59 on the PGA Tour. I mean, he's checked so many boxes. He's one going crazy low. And again, he's one when you don't have to go crazy low. And he's done it on tough weekends and he's done it on playable weekends. He's done it in wins. He's done it in benign conditions. You know, I just feel like when you're looking at a pitcher and you're kind of like drawing or scripting your perfect pitcher, you want the guy that can throw a lot of pitches. And what JT has proven to us over the last, I'd call it, year, year and a half, kind of going back to the players, it's felt like he's kind of showcased a few more of those pitches than maybe we thought he had in him. Yeah, and I'm really excited. You know, at the end of the year, he always posts, like, yeah. his notes app with, here are my goals. I feel like, you know, he definitely wanted – he had a major on there, at least one. For sure. So I'm feeling good about that because I, I wrote about this a couple of weeks ago about, um, like, Nellie Corda said she doesn't share her goals, right. and he is the direct opposite. Um, So I – and I think he, like, checked off five and had seven X's in 2021 – so I'm like, that'll, I think that'll switch a little bit this year from if he stays playing the way he has been. So, um, Do you want to go Will Zalatoris here, or would you like to talk about Mito? Where, where do you, you want to go? Cause... I want to talk about Mito. All right, let's go Because we're going to forget about Mito, and I don't want that to happen. All right, I, I, I cede the floor to you. I, I want you to take the Mito conversation off the top. All right, so I, I had heard of Mito Pereira, but didn't know much about him going into this week. And then I kind of like went on this deep dive. My coworker, Zephyr, got in touch with his um, – college coach he played one season um of college golf at texas tech and then went back to chile um well i learned about him he won three times last year on the corn Ferry tour so this guy knows how to win and i hadn't really been following him at all this pga tour season and then he was just steady and it was super fun to watch and i felt great about the whole thing and there were all these stats they were sharing no one all the whatever top four players hadn't won a PGA Tour event or a major. Right. So this was going to be a huge win. I felt super excited going into the week. I think a lot of people were kind of like, who is this guy? He's about to win the PGA. I was excited because I was like, this is a new face. I love when we had a first time winner, especially in a major. It'll be great. And then his tee shot on 18, like my jaw hit the floor. I was like, this can't be happening. I don't know. I'm I'm bummed for him. And I'm also upset and this is just the way that life is but I was like they move on so quickly when you lose and then like they're like all right see ya we got to keep going and I was like wow he's just gonna like get in the car and go I'm go home now it's over for him yeah I mean like so that was tough to watch like Lynn Matisse Bob May right I mean you think about these names that were such a part of your sports viewing experience right I mean such a part of a major and then all of a sudden it's moving on you know I, I know you mentioned the tee shot on 18 it was to me the putt on seventeen. I mean, just leaving that short. Obviously, when you when when you're nervy, you leave stuff short and you hit stuff left, right? I mean, yeah. stuff gets short and it goes left. 
and uh, and he leaves that putt short. And if he makes that, I think he makes that. I think the tee shot on 18 is different. I don't think he hits yeah. driver there. I think he's hitting an iron, maybe three wood there, but he's not pulling driver because he knows bogey wins the PGA as opposed to par winning. And, of course, then you want to push it down because that was the hardest hole on the golf course. I want to clear something up here. I yes. was talking a lot about this PGA Championship being a bit of a snoozer. And then I got a lot of pushback and blowback on Twitter, basically saying that I wasn't appreciating what Mito was doing. I'm with you. I love these storylines. I love when people's lives can change. I mean, there's a reason we love following the Corn Ferry Tour. There's a reason we mm-hmm. love following Epson. There's a reason we love kind of paying attention to many tour stories and qualifying into U.S. Opens and British Opens because it's storylines that are past the superstars. This potentially life-changing type of situations. Now, Mito's doing well for himself, and this is going to open a lot of doors, and a lot of things are going to come from that. But it wasn't, I wouldn't call it an exciting weekend, for goodness sakes. I mean, it really wasn't exciting until the last couple hours. I would would say that's a credit to Mito. I feel like even with some of the bogeys, some of those saves late, I mean, the up and ins kind of felt like Retief Goosen with what he was able to do in and around the greens. I compared him to Louis Oosthuizen earlier in the day with just how steady and calm he looked with the lead. Of course, it went away. I mean, it was a bad swing on right. 18. You make a bad swing on a tough golf hole. Some of the best in the world have done it. Greg Norman's done it. Phil Mickelson has done it. We've seen big names, you know, kind of make wayward swings when they really need a good swing to have happen. But I think all in all, I mean, when I look back on this, I feel like it's going to be a positive for Mito. I don't see how you can look at this once, you know, a day or two has passed and three or four glasses of wine have been drunk. I don't realize, I don't think you can look back on this and say it was a bad week if you're Mito because he was in the forefront of this thing what, Friday on? I mean, it, it wasn't yeah. like he popped up on the screen on Sunday. Right. This was a guy that was kind of along for the ride throughout most of that PJ championship. In his uh, post-round interview with Amanda, he was awesome. So good. So so poised. And again, I he had positive things to say. And he even said he was like, I didn't immediately, I wasn't like going, nothing felt different on that 18th tee box for me. I just didn't hit a good shot. And he was like, he seems like he's taking away positives. I mean, who knows? And you go home, you're totally bummed. You like keep the smile on when you lose the Little League game and go home. This is not a Little League game, but what I can compare it to. Um, yeah, so I I think this is a good thing for him. And looking at his Corn Ferry Tour career, like, we're going to see a lot more of him. I think we're going to see him in contention in a lot of events this year. This, If anything, this just proved to him that he can do it. That you can get close. And again, I mean, kind of moving from Mito to Will Zalatoris, and I love what he said after the round as well. It's like, you mentioned his record. You mentioned how well he's played in these major championships. But, you know, this is a guy that says, okay, now I can now I can win one of these. And to me, even going back to the JT goals, you know, Claire, to me, this kind of looked like this is a stepping stone for Will Zalatoris. Now, he would have loved to win it, sure. He would have gotten a playoff, and it was one of two guys that could have won it, and he was one of the two. Again, I mean, this is a guy that hasn't won yet right on the PGA Tour. Right. I mean, that's a step for him. So to get this close again, I mean, the confidence is only going to build. He seems like the kind of player that pulls positive, not negative from every experience. And I mean, this is what you're seeing with a lot of these young players. And one of the most impressive things to me is meeting 20-somethings that are strong enough mentally to hurdle over something that was, you know, obstructive to your career, or to your life, or your relationship or whatever – and sure, you didn't win. You didn't leave with the Wanamaker. But you can pull a lot of positives from this. And I like the putt on 17 and 18, again, going back to regulation, this is the Achilles. This is what's going to hold Will Zalatoris back from being a great player. And in the most stressful situations, 
He made two putts of that length that make you uncomfortable when you're not a great putter. And so when you're writing down good things from the PGA and from Tulsa, I sure hope Will looks at those putts. I hope he stores the videos on his phone. I hope he looks at them when things aren't going good with the flat stick <laughs> because those were, you know, those were the putts that weren't going in on Saturday. Right. Yeah. Only positives for him. I mean, yeah, the putts on Saturday, but he closed it out. I mean, he made it into a playoff and I, I feel good about that. And I also am just a side note. I thought, how cool was it that he and Cam Young were teeing it up? So like these cool. college teammates back at it, like to be that coach, he's got to feel awesome. What a program they have that they have like pumped out these players. I think about these young players, Claire, a lot and what the conversations must be that we don't hear about and how cool it must be to what four, five, six years kind of away from that team room. You're in a in a group, in a penultimate group to win a major championship. Like the progressions are so fast and Victor and Morikawa and even Justin Suh, like these players that were so good out of college. And all of a sudden you find yourself basically doing the exact same thing you were doing, right? I was facing you and you were wearing a Texas hat. You were facing me and I was wearing a Georgia Tech hat or Wake or whatever. Now we're wearing Titleist hats and professional golf hats. Yeah. But we're doing the same thing we were doing five or six years ago. I mean, I go back to, you know, one of my first events I covered for Fox back when we were doing the USGA stuff was the Bryson US Amateur. And I remember some of those players that were kind of in that final 16. And, you know, if you look at that group and you look at the PGA Tour group five years later, it would have been the same conversation. Do you remember we were playing right. for a U.S. Amateur and a, and a Havemeyer Trophy, and now we're playing for a million bucks in, in five years on tour and Legacy? It's still the same game, right? It's still the same skill set. And I just think it must be so surreal and shocking for these people to, to your point, shake hands on the first tee. And it's just it's just a different situation. It's a bigger scene, oh, yeah. but it's the same thing we were doing before. And these two probably had study halls together right. for two years. You know, like they're like, do you have notes from this class that I took? Like, it, it is cool how you progress from these totally normal kids that anyone can relate to to, oh my gosh, you're on a major stage right now. Right. And I mean, you know, like you think about how poised the young people are, like Joaquin Neiman sitting with Amanda and doing that for however long they had him, what, five, 10 minutes or something. And he was so good. I always think about you're speaking a different language, right, too. And to be yeah. that comfortable uh, on national television, knowing a million people are watching, to be common in the way you are and saying what you're saying and, and just being so great at that. The young golfer, I uh, I continue to be amazed by. I, I can't believe they're this mature at this young of an age. Oh, same. I'm like, they, what did they say? No one in the top four before JT made a run was like, had turned 27 yet. So wild. This is golf like, can now. Can you imagine? It is crazy. This yeah. Is men's men's golf. I mean, it happened on the women's side and now it's happened on the men's side. Um, do, do you, uh, do you want to talk about Rory or I mean, do you want to, we, yeah, do we do this? I do. Okay. I, um, are, you, are you emotionally able to handle it? <laughs> I, it just Thursday, like Thursday felt different. It really did. It, it felt, <laughs> It felt like the hurdle, you know, he jumped it. And it's just so wild to think that if he shoots even the next three days, he wins the PJ Championship, right? Yeah. He, he he struggled so much in those opening rounds. Outside of the U.S. Open, it had just been abysmal. And to go out there and do that after, like like we were talking about, after what he did at the Masters, he's played great this year. It, it It's just, I mean, it's upstairs. I know golf is all upstairs, but my goodness, you know, to see him come out, he got the great draw, he got – Saturday and, and just does what he does on those par threes still has a chance 
on Sunday. Yeah. Like we're laughing yeah. about this again. He still has an opportunity on Sunday to win this and really could have gotten into this playoff with some late putts dropping. Yeah. I, I, I don't know what to take from this major from Rory McIlroy, because to me, this was, this was getting back in the relationship with the person that had hurt you and they hurt you again, but they hurt you in a completely different way. <laughs> so that's funny because I was thinking I made kind of a comparison to why I stopped watching the bachelor. Okay. Have you ever watched the bachelor? Yeah, of course. So I'm married. I'm like I watched rooting the bachelor for a lot. These couples. Right. I'm like rooting for these couples to make it right. And they never stay together. Yeah, at that's the a great end. Point. And I'm like, I have to stop watching. I will never stop watching Roy McIlroy, but I'm like, I got to stop getting my hopes up for someone. I don't even know. And then, getting bummed because of it it's yeah it's tough to watch and I keep thinking maybe this is just him chipping away at it this is like two decent finishes in a row but how old is he he's not even that old but I'm like I'm like come on we got we got to get going here well, if you want to win another major it's been what since 2014 so yeah a long time ago I mean and that, and again that is you know the scar tissue builds right I mean that's something you hear yeah. from a lot of athletes especially individual sports especially golf um, you know, one of my buddies, Joel Klatt, has a take on Tiger that Tiger just basically never had scar tissue in major championships until Y.E. Yang. How easy and comfortable it must have felt to be in those positions knowing that you'd never lost it. Like, I've never lost in this situation before. And then you finally lose, and all of a sudden now that thought's lurking in your brain, right? It's like getting a new putter. Mm -hmm. And you, you play around with a new putter, and everything's dropping, and you're making everything. And that first two or three footer you miss with a new putter, and now all of a sudden you've got some questions in your head. And you think mm -hmm. about, oh, no not the new putter the new putter is always supposed to make these putts and that starts kind of throws you off a little bit uh the bachelor point by the way um the bachelor is meant to be watched uh it would inverse reverse what it what is it when you're, you're oh. the most the most fun bachelor episodes are the first bachelor episodes and once you get mm -hmm. to the end you could almost stop watching it. It, it that's yeah that's at least my view and experience is i like early way more then late, once you get to the late parts of the bachelor, not nearly as much fun to watch because again, to your point, what are you rooting for? You're rooting for failure. Exactly. So I hate to compare that to Rory McIlroy, but I feel like until he does something different, I cannot be getting emotionally invested there because it takes too much out of me. And it's everybody on Twitter loses it too. So it just kind of feeds into it. I, I think I, I have a little theory on this with Twitter. So when you look okay. at Twitter and its popularity, right? When tw Twitter really kind of blew up, like somebody like me or like the no laying up guys, um, you know, Brennan Porath, a lot of a lot of us are a similar age people. We're all kind of in our mid to late 30s. And we all were, were like we all use this vehicle for so much of our early careers. I mean, Twitter was so important to me and it was so important to like Solly and getting no laying up going was leaning on this app. Well, who was blowing up during that kind of portion of Twitter was Rory McIlroy. I mean, Rory McIlroy, mm -hmm. you know, gets that big win in 2010 and then he starts to win majors. He has a, he, you know, falls apart at the masters. Then he wins the U S open. And all of a sudden the Twitter world that loves golf and is gaining kind of popularity in this world, in this sphere, in this app is kind of doing at the same time, Rory's gaining popularity and strength in professional golf. And so a lot of us that people follow are obsessed with Rory McIlroy because he's, <laughs> he's been our guy, right? I mean, you know, right. you know, th these generations have guys and they have players and you're a Jack guy, you're an Arnie guy. You're obviously a tiger guy or Phil guy. I mean, you can go back to Norman, you know, people are Norman people, people love Curtis or Faldo, Payne Stewart. And then you kind of get into this run of you're kind of a Rory or a Spieth person. And now we've got this new age players popping up as well. 
but I just feel like we all kind of had Rory as our guy. And so we live and die by him. And we saw what he did early in these major runs. And it's just kind of hard to see it happen the way it happens now because we know it's there. It's just, I mean, again, you said it. 2014 was a long ass time ago. Yeah. Yeah. That's kind of my thought on that's my, that's my, I like Twitter, that. That's a my good take. Twitter Rory take. Now, uh, you wanted to talk about uh, broadcasters in the booth. You wanted to talk about current players and kind of discussing golf, having them talk about golf. Yes, because I think Joaquin did an awesome job today. We saw JT do it in one of the matches. We saw Phil do it a couple of years ago. And Joaquin today was like telling stories about, you know, he remembered this event he had played in with Mito. And it offers this inside look that no one else can offer because you weren't there. I'm trying to, who do you think, who would you like to see someone who kind of is in the mix these days in the booth? Well, I mean, I, I would, I obviously am going to defer right away to Max. I mean, I think Max would be excellent at it. Obviously he's very comfortable to talk in front of a microphone. He's incredibly smart. I mean, he's, he's like Mensa level intelligent as well. I think he's a, re- he's does a really good job. He, I mean, he does, did a great job on this podcast of kind of explaining golf and not sounding like you're above the crowd, right? He was, he was very, very good about kind of explaining the golf there. You know, I'm kind of thinking about the veteran player, like who's next in terms of the analyst role, but I I'm with you. I, I would love to see a little more of this. I would love now it it takes a crew accepting it, which is not an easy Mm -hmm. thing to do, but I think especially on Sundays, you have a a past PJ championship winner. You know, you're at a U.S. open, you have a past U.S. open winner. You could have them come up. I would say when the players are making the turn, and have them, and the ones that played on Sunday, right? Have them spend 30 to 45 mm-hmm. minutes in the booth or even with Amanda. I mean, Amanda's so good at this. Have them sit with Amanda or whomever and just kind of talk about what happened when there's a time worth talking about it. A bad lie, a crazy break, a green doing this, a bunker doing that. I think if you had 30 or 45 minutes kind of, kind of squeezing someone in before it got really good late, I think that there's a real opportunity there for players to come in and just add a little energy drink to that final Sunday. Because outside of the Masters, I don't know if you feel like this, Claire, but outside of the Masters, there's so much coverage on of these majors, and that is not a bad thing. I mean, that's obviously a very good thing if you're a golf fan. But there's so much coverage that I find myself at times limping home on Sunday because I've just spent seven or eight hours a day watching golf you know, for three days, and that's not including pregames and podcasts you listen to at night and things like that. So I just... I love what you're saying. I loved having Neiman in there. And I think it's something that you could introduce. Again, if if the analyst is willing to do that and to kind of see their time, I think it would be so cool to hear from players jumping in that spot, you know, randomly. Just have make make PJ Tour should make the players say, if you're a top 50 player, you're assigned to one week. You know, you can pick the week yeah. and we'll figure it out. But one week out of the year, you're gonna have to spend 45 minutes on air talking about golf from a tournament you just played because the insight's so unique. That I'm trying to think like Dustin would be hilarious. If you're saying Amazing. That. I wonder, yeah, it would just be funny. And I think Colin would have a lot of insight yep. too. But again, leaning on someone who's friendly with somebody who's in contention, I think would be what would make it really click. Like having, having a friend, having a friend, having somebody that can come in. I mean, doing that stuff around these majors, especially for young players that we don't know a ton about, uh, punches up the, the telecast to me. Um, you know, a ton of percentage points. I just thought it was really smart to have Neiman in there. And uh, and I think you mentioned Amanda did a great job. Tired of restless nights? Meet Lisa, the sleep expert. <sighs> 
Here at Lisa, we know that good sleep is essential for mental, physical, and emotional health. That's why their mattresses are made for exceptional comfort and support, catering to every sleep need. Check out Lisa's Sapira Hybrid Mattress, named best hybrid mattress five years running. Sleep hot? The Chill Collection is built with cool-to-the-touch top fabric and layers of high-density comfort foams, all intended to remove excess body heat while maximizing comfort. With Lisa, getting a new mattress has never been easier. Delivery is free, and you have 100 nights to try out your mattress in the comfort of your home. Don't spend another night dreaming of better sleep. For a limited time, save up to $700 off select mattresses plus two free pillows. Go to lisa.com forward slash iHeart for an additional $50 off mattresses and select goods. That's l-e-e-s-a.com forward slash iHeart. Exclusions apply. See lisa.com for more details. Getting ready to take on spring? Make your first move with the reliable performance and power of steel battery tools. From hedge trimmers and mowers to string trimmers and more, right now you can save $50 on select battery tool sets. Real steel. Offer valid on select AK system sets through June 16, 2024. See participating retailer for details. Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day a little. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. BTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. We have not. Uh, we are almost 30 minutes in. We have not talked about Tiger. Uh, all I want to say on Tiger, and I don't know if you have much on him, Claire, but, you know, one of Tiger's best skills was knowing what it took to win golf tournaments 1 through 72. I mean, I just feel like he was, it was planning both with his game and how he played the golf courses. But it was also like energy. Like he, I just feel like he did a great job, especially later in his career. Once the injury started to pile up, he was so good at like kind of knowing exactly what it took to get through four days. I'm starting to wonder after we watch these two majors, he's putting so much into Thursday, Friday. I'm wondering if like mentally, even if he doesn't admit this, because I know he always he's answering these questions. You know, I'm here to win. I'm here to win. But I'm wondering if you know, kind of after these Thursday rounds, if he's putting so much into Friday making the cut that in his mind that almost feels kind of like a win, you know, like he he's so good at obviously accomplishing goals that I'm wondering if you get to Friday, it's a win because we obviously have seen things change coming into Saturdays for Tiger in both these major championships. And I mean, obviously you can't, you can't blame him. He's going through a lot of physical stuff, but I wonder on the mental side, if, if you're putting so much into that Thursday, Friday, that comes Saturday, you already feel like you kind of knocked off what you were trying to accomplish. Yeah. He is playing, Sunday afternoon golf on Fridays, I think. Right, like he exactly. is just grinding. And again, expectations can change for yourself. Goals can change. And at this point in his career, it makes total sense. And I think, yeah, making the cut, you're proving something to yourself and to everybody else who's saying, oh, we'll never play. Oh, he's playing. Okay, well, he'll, he'll never make the cut. Then he makes the cut. And, you know, you make the cut. And all right, he beat Scotty Shuffler this week. He beat... Right. Uh, Brooks at the Masters, he beat Jordan at the Masters. So you kind of get the sense of like, all right, I have can put a check mark there. And then Saturday rolls around and his body is exhausted. And it's just it's like just emotional. Yeah. It's just like this letdown of like, 
I just won this race almost. And now I need to exhale for a little bit. Yeah. I mean, it, like you read those like Bob Rotello books and he talks a lot about like the, the mentality of making those cuts. Right. And how certain players, especially young players, they're so concerned with the cut line. They're kind of forgetting to win. And it, it's almost kind of the opposite for Tiger. I mean, he hasn't played excellent golf kind of coming out of the gate. He's played with his best golf when he's been grinding to make those cuts. And I'm just wondering a little bit of, of just simple exhaustion, both, of course, physically. I mean, he looks just so exhausted physically, but mentally, I'm wondering if he's just putting so much into those Friday rounds, grinding out those rounds, putting together uh, uh, whatever he can do to kind of make it to the weekend. And then you get to Saturday and, and there's probably not a lot of juice left. I'm going to ask you this question as a, I'm going to ask you this question, not as you, the golf fan, but as okay. you, the, let, let's call her, let's call it the, the, the advice columnist for Tiger Woods, the golfer. <laughs> do you, okay. do, do you want to see Tiger play the U S open now? Now I, this is, this is obviously prefaced with, we're both expecting to see him at St. Andrews. I mean, he's already he told Cara okay. Banks that, you know, at the masters, I'm going to be at St. Andrews, all things, you know, if all things work out the right, right way, but do you advice columnist Claire, what would you say to Tiger in terms of playing the U S open? Would you say, try to play the U S open or would you say skip over the U S open and let's make, let's get all our cards right for the open. All right. Let's see. We are less than a month out from the U S open. Right. I would say you need to take the next 10 days and worry about nothing but your body. Like do not touch a golf club. Yeah. Don't putt, don't chip, just work on recovery. And then let's start thinking about maybe thinking about teeing it up because after the, if it was just after the masters, I'd say yes, but he said he felt worse than he did know, at the masters. So I'm Tough. like, if it's, if it's to say for St. Andrews, don't play. I want to see him there, but I don't want him to make a decision until like Wednesday. Like I want him just rest and recovery for the next three weeks and not be worried about it. So I played the country club this past week. I'd never played the golf course before. I went out there and played it. And, um, after playing it, I don't want Tiger to be at the U.S. Open. And this is coming from somebody that would very much want to see Tiger at the U.S. Open, both professionally and personally as a, as a, as a, a golf fan, you know, first and foremost. But it, the rough is so tough. It's so gnarly. You know, this is something that we're kind of forgetting about, U.S. Open rough, right? You think about the golf mm -hmm. course. It's not an easy walk. It's not the easiest walk. No. It's not St. Andrews, for goodness sakes. I mean, it's not Augusta, but it's not St. Andrews. It's going to be some ups and downs. There's going to be some hills. I just like, again, I think if you're rooting for Tiger in terms of legacy, an opportunity really seems like if things are going good and he gets a hot, windy week at St. Andrews, he might have an opportunity to get himself in contention and get him in the hut on the weekend. I just don't see that being the case at the country club unless, you know, something drastically changes. So I, I, I would again, advice columnist Shane <laughs> would say, Let's hang them up. And I kind of like what you said. Let's give it 10 days. Let's feel, let's take a breather. Everybody yeah. take a breath. Step back let's all step back for a sec. And then let's figure out where we're going to go with that. But uh, I, I will say this, and, and we talked a lot about this uh, on our master's uh, wrap, Claire, is there is, this is so freaking impressive to watch this guy do this. I mean, I have been impressed by a lot of things in Tiger's career. I was very impressed by, what he won the USGA events in a row because that's really hard to do in match play. And I was very impressed with what he did in 97. And then of course, when he started to do the stuff in 2000 and 2001, you're like, okay, this is another level of a person, but Tori, the comebacks, the chipping yips, finding a way to play good golf again, of course, when in 19, all of these things have been impressive for certain different reasons. 
This is mm-hmm. impressive because to me, it's a guy that is proving something to himself. He doesn't, I, if there was nobody out there, if this was like the COVID times when there were no patrons and no fans out there watching golf, this is a this, he wouldn't care. I mean, this is about him proving that he can still do this. I think to himself first and foremost, and I don't think there's anything cooler than someone accomplishing something for themselves. I don't think there's anything cooler than someone being proud of themselves. I mean, we're, we're, we're not used to doing that anymore. That's not something that I'd say we modern Americans are very good at complimenting ourselves or, or being very right. proud of things we actually pull off. And I mean, if you're Tiger Woods, you got to be proud as hell of what you've been able to do both at the masters and here, even if you couldn't play on Sunday, just being out there doing this, making cuts in major championships, playing no golf, Claire, like he's not playing competitive golf. He's not playing. Right. He's not, he's not in competitive golf mode, tournament golf mode. And he's still making cuts and he's still shooting under par rounds. I just, you could finish, he could finish last in every tournament. I'd still be impressed he's out there playing. I was going to say, I'm proud of him. I really hope, you know, he didn't talk after, but I hope that was more of just like a pain thing because I do hope, and you know, he has this laid back personality now. I hope he walked away and said, you know what? I did a good job this week. And that's that. So I pulled it off. All right. We got some flights unless you got anything else you want to hit on before we get to these. So no, go for it. Um, so first one is a moment you'll remember in five years, Claire a moment. You're going to remember from that. Now this, I don't know if this is the easiest question for this PJ championship over other majors, I know. but moment you think in, in, in what is it? 2027, you're going to remember about the 2022 PJ championship hard because i remember weird things like i'm randomly gonna remember that the sand was like pebbly okay. like I, that will like stick up to me because i knew nothing about southern hills coming into this week so i think like now when i think of southern hills i'll think of that um also just jt coming back on sunday i think what about you you know i think i'll remember the mito 18th hole swing i i think those stick with me maybe a little longer than um other things from events i, I just I wanted Mito to win the PGA championship. You know, like I was hoping he was going to win in some sort of dramatic fashion, even if it took a playoff for it to happen. I, I, we don't get these types of players winning majors anymore. We really don't, you know, I mean, it's look at the list. The list is superstars. I mean, it is, it's either superstars in the making or it's superstars that have been made that are winning majors right now. And I, I just feel like I'll remember the swing on 18. Uh, every time I hit that shot, which I hit that shot a lot, I'll think of Mito. So I think in five years, I think it's going to be Mito. Now, I might be wrong. It might be JT. You know, you might be right here. But Mito will stick in, in, in my brain. That That's at least the image on the broadcast of the ball just laying in the water on 18. It'll so, stick in your brain. Uh, Claire, we have uh, the Tony Finau Award for Outfit. You'll remember in five years from now. Um, I, I think we maybe both gave it to Tony. <laughs> at the masters for the pink uh, shirt thingy that he was wearing with the hat and all that, which I actually thought looked better than a lot of people thought looked. Uh, who is your uh, Tony Finau winner for the outfit of the, you'll remember in five years. He's just, he's keeping the award for this week. Tony Finau sweater. The jacket yeah. on, on Saturday, but now I'm realizing Nike's doing something with him on Agreed. Saturdays, Agreed. right? They've got to be. So I'm very excited for the next two majors to see what he has. Oh, that's a great point. And I know you tweet, I think you tweeted out, they, 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 they make like a gif or something like they did something like that for like, <laughs> they, 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 they're in on the joke now. Like they know that they know oh, yeah. we're getting a good kick out of this. And Tony uh, <laughs> is a good sport. I think I am not giving it to Tony though. So 
I, I'm gonna. This is kind of a. This is like co-rookie of the year here. Uh, Jason Kidd and uh and Grand Hill. Um, JT's award on Sunday only because Tron Carter tweeted out that it looked like he wore Webb Simpson's outfit, and I couldn't get that on my mind for like the entirety <laughs> of the playoff. It was the black pants with the black shoes, and even the pink yep. shirt looked very much like something Webb Simpson yeah. would wear. Um, so that was kind of in my head throughout the playoff. I kept looking at it, thinking it was Webb, and then uh. Um, Ricky on Sunday. Um, oh my gosh, I can't believe he still does it. Did you see the ESPN so, coverage in the morning when they were when they were showing the fan? Did you see the fan that was an almost? Ex- it was like a grown guy, right? Yeah, oh yeah, yeah. He was like he was like in his forties or fifties. He was wearing almost the exact same Ben Pelton. The guys were having a kick out of that, but it was funny to me because like Ricky almost looks now like a guy that's trying to like an older guy that's trying to dress like Ricky Fowler. Is that fair to say? Right. Like it almost yes, looks like 100%. a guy that's that's trying to dress like Ricky and I'm with you is, and this is to all young golfers out there to listen to this podcast. If you go with an outfit and you start to win wearing that outfit, just remember you got to wear it for a long time. Tiger still wears red on Sunday. <laughs> a long time. Gotta wear. But you know what? That The orange is a lot. I'm like, it's wow, he's really still doing this, but yeah, <laughs> it is. It is a lot. And again, you know, just at one point you don't win every time doing it. You know, you could bucket at some point. I, but again, I, I was I was thinking very much about that the Ricky Fowler outfit of trying to look like Ricky Fowler. What was your favorite yeah. day? What was the best day in, in your opinion of the week? Thursday because I loved watching Rory McIlroy. Like I was like, oh my gosh, the final round of the Masters just led right into this, and he's good to go. Um, I mean, I was I think the best ninety minutes of the event were the last right. you know five holes, and then the playoff. But I do think that. If we're talking about a full day, it would be Thursday. What about you? So I, I had Thursday written down, and I actually I I deleted it, and I so I said Friday because I thought the conditions in the morning were so crazy, and JT played that great round, which of course now mm-hmm. will be something we talk about because of the victory, right? I mean, he went out there, yeah, he had the bad side of the draw, and he played excellent golf. Felt very much like what he did at the players, and then we had Tiger, Rory, Spieth, primetime golf on. Friday night, you know, kind of if you were East Coast, I mean, it went well into the evening and you got Tiger kind of grinding, trying to make the cut. And Rory was just floating. He was floating. He was floating. You're kind of waiting for him to do something. So I feel like Friday will be the day maybe I kind of rank a little higher than Thursday. But I think those are the only two answers. I think I think it's Thursday and Friday in in some kind of mixed or, uh, or, or, or flipped order. What was the most surprising thing to you this week? Like of the whole week, what was the most surprising thing from the 22 PGA? let's think I hate to go with the obvious Mito Pereira, but I think the fact that he, you know, held on to it for as long as he did. And he's never been in that position before, even in a PJ tour event. I was, I, I, when he kind of got into lead, I was like, this is not going to lie. Right. It happens all the time. It happens at every major, right? Some guy you've heard little about plays well and he's leading and you're like, this is cute. When are we getting to the end? You know? And then he just was, just didn't go away. Exactly. So I think that for me, I was really surprised by that. And, and then again, of course, I was surprised at 18 when it kind of all went away. Yes. But yes. the fact that it lasted as long as it did, I was really surprised by it. What about you? 71 to 72 holes. It's a cruel sport. You play, you play <laughs> good enough golf to win a major for 71 holes and it's one bad swing. Uh, I, I, I'm going to go Scotty Scheffler. I mean, I think the way he's played, the way he's been rolling. I mean, even after the Masters, he finished in a tie for 15th at the Byron Nelson Felt like he would kind of keep it going. We've talked a lot about Zalatoris and the way he's played in the majors. I mean, Scotty Scheffler's major resume is incredible. So to see, mm-hmm. you know, him not playing well enough to make it to the weekend, I would say 
was surprising. I mean, after the Masters win, I know it's easy to have a little bit of a letdown, but I thought he played great in Texas. You know, that's the only time we'd seen him since Augusta National. And I I didn't think he could play bad golf at this point. So for him to go out there and fire a bad round was a bit surprising. I think of all the players not to make it to the weekend and to not play great on this golf course, I was surprised by Scotty Scheffler the most. I also was like, oh my gosh, I was telling my sister like last week, I was like, Scotty Scheffler doesn't get mad. He doesn't have it. And then I was like, oh no, he just never plays bad. There you go. <laughs> never... <laughs> it's easy not to get mad if you don't play bad golf. Exactly. That's right. Exactly. That's right. So that, that was kind of, I was happy that I learned that about him, that he has it in him to get a little angry on the golf course, so, as we all have it. We all have it. So Jin Young Ko must never be mad, right? Jin Young Ko just, exactly. always, <laughs> I just play good golf every day. So I'm exactly. 0% chance I'm going to be mad. Uh, least surprising to me, and I'll start with this. I hate to say it. I'm going to say it. It it was Rory. I mean, as <laughs> as much as I as much as I was trying to will it into happening, as great as he played on Thursday, the way he played on Friday was extremely uninspiring. Then, of course, Saturday happened. He, he looked he looked he looked floored. I mean, even his interview. I don't know if you saw his interview before his round on Sunday. He, he was interviewed with ESPN and like almost like he got emotional before the round started in his oh, interview. Yeah, I did yeah. Um, like you can just tell that he's trying so damn hard, but 2014, I'll keep going back to it. It's been a long time. We've seen Rory do this. I think about the way he played with Spieth on Saturday at that masters when he didn't make a birdie. I think about the way he played with Patrick Reed, you know, at the masters when he was, when he flags it on two and misses that Eagle putt, like he's, he's kind of teased us both ways, but, here, I, here's my question as we kind of wind down on the Rory talk. What does Rory have to do to us, let, for us to get to a Sunday and you to really feel like it's going to be a major one by Rory McIlroy? Does he need to have a big lead? Does he need to be in the final group? Like, what does Rory need to do, in your opinion, to feel comfortable enough to where I'm not writing him down as, as least surprising guy that kind of blew a major when he looks like he had a chance to win it? I think he has to be in the final group. Okay. And I think he needs to be with someone who is playing well to kind of get the momentum. They're rolling in putts, but yeah, I don't see him coming from, I mean, that sounds bad because he did, you know, but it wasn't enough on Sunday at the masters. I think he needs to be comfortably close to the lead. Doesn't have to be in the lead. He can be tied for the lead, whatever. But I think I would, I would like him to be in the final group. And then I'd be like, all right, he can do it. What do you think? Yeah. I mean, final group is huge for him. I feel like Rory's kind of one of those players that, loves knowing what's going on you know I mean we, yeah. we know how I mean cerebral he is and how smart he is and how much he talks about stuff like I feel like he's a guy that that appreciates that position so I think on mm-hmm. Sunday being in that spot you know I don't I mean on a I mean does he two or three shot lead you know I think he has to have a decent lead for me at this point I, I don't think yeah. if he was tied for the lead going to the final round I would feel comfortable I would feel very uncomfortable if he was tired <laughs> going into Sunday. Because but I think he could do it for, for sure. sure. For sure, I guess sure. your question was comfortable. Yeah, I guess he would have to have a big lead for me to feel. If, I, if you wanted me to, like, have no worries, he would need, like, a five-shot lead. <laughs> five, five or six. <laughs> and, and even then, I don't know how, I don't know how well I'd sleep. I'd feel, I'd feel like I was watching Max when he won at Riv. Um, what was the most exciting part of the week? I think we probably have the same answer. What was the most exciting part of the week? <sighs> the playoff. Yeah, yeah. It's got to be the The end, last yeah. couple of holes, right? 
The Zalatoris par putt, I think, on, on the last was maybe the most excited I got the whole week. Like, him yeah. making that, to, to, then then I knew we could at least get a playoff because I didn't think Mito was going to get up and down after he hit it in the creek, right? I right. I feel like that was the moment for me. The Zalatoris par save on 18 in regulation. I would say the when they first made birdie putts on the first playoff hole, because I was like, all right, here we go. Here we go. <laughs> here we go. Popcorn so time. I think that was the most excited. Um <laughs> All right, so and, and this is a little different than least surprising. What, what was the most disappointing moment of the week for you? What, what was a moment where either you were disappointed in someone, you're disappointed in something, <laughs> you were disappointed in a result? What was the most disappointing moment? In myself for you? and yourself. Uh, no, I <laughs> I don't know if disappointing is the right word because I was not disappointed in Tiger, but I was bummed for him. Right, like when he officially withdrew, I was like, oh, that's a bummer. I don't, th- I don't know if disappointed is the right word, but I think so. And disappointed in Rory, to be honest, I, I got to stop expecting something big from him. Cause he's not, uh, what is it? Actions speak louder than words, Correct. something like that. <laughs> what about you? I mean, I mean, Rory on Friday, I think kind of, as I look back the, just the getting that draw and getting to go out there after all these people battled through the wind and everything lays down. And it's just sitting there in front of you to have that. We're talking about big leads for Rory. It's just sitting there to have a, you know, a two or three shot lead headed into to Saturday and to just put yourself in a comfortable position where, you know, you can come out and make a bogey. You know, you can come out and stumble a bit and you're still going to be right there. And for him to not right. take advantage of that draw when it's sitting in front of you, you know, I mean, that that stuff doesn't happen often. I mean, you know, you right. think about the the old course St. Andrews years ago with Rory when he shot 6380. I mean, he was on the other side of the draw, right? He got benign conditions then he gets it blowing a million miles an hour and he shoots 80 this was his opportunity to actually be on the right side and be playing well and so to me it's going to be friday and it's going to be the afternoon and it's going to be playing with tiger and didn't tiger tiger beat him right i mean it was like yeah tiger beat him on friday you know it's just oh oh we've talked a lot about Roy on this <laughs> podcast but i think this week is i think that we'll talk a lot about i mean when you think about this week we're going to talk about jt we're talking about will we'll talk about mito and i think we're going to talk about rory even if he finished however many back he finished um, I, I think he was a big part of the week, you know, I mean, he was a big part of earlier in the week and even the way he started on Sunday, you couldn't help, but at least, you know, start to think about Sunday at the masters. Right. Right. So I think at this rate, we can expect that he will be in the conversation at Brookline, hopefully on the weekend. I, so, gosh, I don't know. I, I, I don't, <laughs> I don't, you know, I feel like it's a golf course for these, when we think about the U S open, I feel like it's a golf course. We're going to see a lot of players hit three woods. And it's a place that you do need to drive the golf ball well. They have really, really yeah. small greens. I think it's going to be a second-shot golf course, which we know Rory does well on. And I think it's going to be a place where, again, you don't have to throttle up all the time. But at certain points, you can and take advantage of it. I I just, you know, Rory at a US Open, <laughs> and I just, I, I just look ahead. You know, I look ahead to the, what my cup says, and I just think, I, I feel like oh, yeah. St. Andrews is is a way better place for him. I'd love for him to prove me wrong. I didn't love his his chances this week going in, and then he shoots six under. It looks like he's going to win this thing by 10. But uh, all hail Justin Thomas. I mean, JT did it, yeah, and that was a great playoff, and it saved, like I said, a bit of a snoozer of a major championship, and legacy stuff pushes forward. And we talked a little bit about JT. And now, you know, JT to me, Claire, is one of those players that when you're thinking about great major seasons, you know, now two top tens and a win through two majors already. You know, he's got a place that he could play well at at Brookline. And then, of course, his creativity on the golf course, I think, could really, really sing at these open championship courses. 
you know, I mean, this could be, you could, you and I could be rapping the open talking about JT winning two majors in 2022. You know, I mean, that's what this does for who he is and what he's trying to become. Definitely. Well, I appreciate the time. Uh, anything else you got? Any, you. any last words? What are you working on? What are you going to have out on the <sighs> internet this week? We'll have a social recap of this past week. How, on was, the the, how was the social? How was social this week? Um, I'm kind of going to be talking about. It was less about like players posting. I thought Smiley Kaufman was like the MVP of right. social this week because you know he's on the ground. He was, and he made sure. Did you see the video he put up, like running back out right. to the court? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, he was great, but usually we rely heavily on WAG content, and there wasn't. You know, we're used to seeing Meredith Scheffler. She didn't get to be there this weekend. Gotcha. Paulina didn't get to be there this weekend. So we'll see what we can come up with, but it'll be good. <laughs> awesome. Claire, appreciate the time. You can follow Claire on uh, all of the socials at Rogers R-O-G-E-R-S. You can read her at golf.com. Claire, we appreciate the time. Hope you guys enjoyed it. Hope you guys enjoyed the PGA, especially the last 90 minutes. Congrats to JT. Congrats to Mito on a great week. And uh, we'll check back with you soon. Get a Grip with Shane Bacon is a production of iHeartRadio. For more podcasts from iHeartRadio, visit the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you listen to your favorite shows. Getting ready to take on spring? Make your first move with the reliable performance and power of steel battery tools. From hedge trimmers and mowers to string trimmers and more, right now you can save $50 on select battery tool sets. Real steel. Offer valid on select AK system sets through June 16, 2024. See participating retailer for details. Tired of restless nights? At Lisa, we know good sleep is essential for mental, physical, and emotional health. From memory foam mattresses to hybrids that keep you cool all night long, Lisa's mattresses offer exceptional comfort and support with free delivery and 100 nights to try out your mattress in the comfort of your home. For a limited time, save up to $700 off select mattresses plus two free pillows. Go to lisa.com slash iHeart for an additional $50 off mattresses and select goods. Exclusions apply. See lisa.com for more details. Hey, everyone. This is Jody Sweeten from the podcast How Rude, Tanneritos. I've been needing a quick getaway with my family, and the 2024 Hyundai Santa Fe is the perfect vehicle to take us there. It has standard third-row seating, so I'm able to pack my entire family, plus pets, in the car while also having enough room for our camping essentials. Available H-Track all-wheel drive will get us through any dirt trails, and available dual wireless charging pads will ensure we never have to worry about getting stuck with a dead phone in the middle of nowhere. Visit HyundaiUSA.com. Or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey.